episode 47 of the State of the Old Republic podcast, was originally recorded on July 24th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Keith Kanig revealed details on Game Update 5.4. I'll review what to expect from Crisis on Umbara. With a focus on group content, some people are asking if Star Wars The Old Republic is still a solo-friendly game. Of course it is, and I'll tell you why. The Second Galactic Command event just concluded. I thought now would be a great time to give an update on the state of Galactic Command. Finally this week, I'll talk about the latest cartel packs, drop rates of items, and once again ask and answer the question, what's a good amount of credits to have in Star Wars The Old Republic? And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of The Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 47 of the State of The Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have a terrific show lined up for you today. Perhaps not quite as good as last week where we had the wonderful Swoterista join me and had a great time talking with her. So Swoterista, if you're listening, thanks again for coming on the podcast last week. Truly enjoyed it and look forward to having you again. So, and I, and I certainly plan to have more guests appear on the podcast from time to time, but not this week. So you are stuck with just me, but I guess the good news is it will be a much shorter show. So, as always, before we get into the news, let's review some announcements for The Old Republic. And first up, the folks from Bad Feeling Podcast are at it again. A new ops boss means a new contest. Brian and Chuck have put out a bounty on Avela and Esne. So what you need to do is just send them a screenshot of your kill to brian at badfeelingpodcast.com and you will have a chance to win 200 million credits. And with all the great items coming out of the cartel packs these days, you certainly need that much credits in order to get all of these goodies. Now, story mode screenshots count as one entry, and hard mode screenshots count as two. Now, time is just about run out on this one as the contest ends on July 26th. Also happening right now, the Somewhere Tour is in full swing, and like I said, we're getting closer to the hitting the dog days of summer, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, the Narshada Nightlife. Yeah, remember that thing? It's still going on, so you still have time to go out there and get some more decorations for your Manan retreat and for your upcoming Umbara retreat. More on that in a second. I actually went down there this past week with some chips I got running from operations, and lo and behold, I managed to get a second pigman for one of my tunes. And it's always nice to get one of those, and it's even nicer when you do it with house money. So that's the Narshada Nightlife event still going on and probably going to end on August 22nd because that is the release date for Game Update 5.4. Uh, starting this week on July 25th and running through August 1st, the Rakul Plague Outbreak on Tatooine. And then as I just mentioned, Game Update 5.4 will go live on August 22nd. So that's all of the announcements that I have. Let's slice the holonet and review the news this week. So as you just heard, we now know that Game Update 5.4 will go live on August 22nd. Keith Kanig posted some tantalizing details on what we can expect to get in this game update. 
And I like his approach to this. When he published the roadmap, he promised regular updates on their 90-day plans. He also realized that it's a lengthy process to get a roadmap written and approved for release. And I think folks are anxious to get more news on what's going on. I know I certainly am. But Keith's not ready for that. And so rather than just come out and say, I have nothing to report, he gave us an update on where they are in the process of putting together the next roadmap. And he gave us a giant info bomb on what's happening with game update 5.4. So basically, he gave us this appetizer while we wait for the main course. And it's a really good appetizer. I was like, wait, this is just a snack? You mean it's not the main course? Because I thought it was the main course. So what I'm going to do is talk about 5.4, and then I'll talk about the roadmap and the direction that the game appears to be headed. So here's what's coming in game update 5.4, which again goes live on August 22nd. First is Crisis on Umbara, and he wrote, Our story will continue in a new flashpoint coming on the planet of Umbara. This flashpoint will launch with all three difficulties, Story, Veteran, and Master. For Umbara's Master Mode, we are trying something new, and depending on how well it goes, we may do something similar for all Master Mode flashpoints. Specifically, a player will need to have an average gear rating of 242 to use Group Finder. We won't prevent pre-made groups from going in directly, but this will prevent undergeared players from slowing down your group. We're adding a new average rating identifier on your character window, which will be based on the items you have equipped. So gear score, item level, whatever you want to call it, is coming to Star Wars The Old Republic. And keep in mind, this is kind of a test, and it only applies to Master Mode Group Finder for the Umbara Flashpoint. The good thing is you won't get undergeared players in your runs for this particular Flashpoint. That doesn't mean you'll get good players, but at least they'll be geared. The other good thing is it only applies to the group finder. You can still put a group together of friends and guildmates and go in there and run it naked if you want. The bad or other potential or potential bad is that everyone is going to have a number now. And I assume that players will be able to see that number and players will be able to use that number to set requirements for joining their pre-made groups. I've seen groups put together where people have asked, you know, what type of gear is needed and for story mode ops, no one much cares, right? You can be level 50 for crying out loud to run these. For veteran mode ops, depending on the operation, I know our guild has asked for a minimum of full 230, uh, anywhere on up. And for master mode ops, most people know that a much higher set of gear is needed. I think it's good for group finder purposes. I think 242 might be a little bit too high. 240 might uh, be a better number. And I'm also concerned that queue times for Master Mode Umbara may end up being too high as the pool of players is too low. As far as the item rating, we don't know how it's going to be calculated. If every piece of gear was moddable, I think it'd be fairly straightforward. But people can be wearing crafted gear, which of course is not moddable. Now, are players going to be able to cheese the system and get their item rating up just so they can queue? I don't know how feasible that is going to be. I, so overall, I think this is a good idea, but it has the potential to change player behavior and not necessarily for the good. If they are planning to enhance the group finder and allow us to create pre-made groups through a UI, then this item rating can play a big role in that by allowing group organizers to set up criteria and thresholds. And World of Warcraft does this and it works out pretty well. So we'll just have to wait and see how this works out with Embara and see what the queue times are like 
and then see if in general chat and places like that people start asking for specific item ratings and trying to inspect players and do all that stuff. And, and we do a little bit of that now, right? I mean, you get in a group, pe- people will look at the raid leaders and the organizers do have a tendency to look at people's gear just to get a sense of what they're up against. So be real curious to see if this starts to change behaviors and the culture within uh, the, the, the player base. So we'll keep an eye out on this. Also coming in 5.4 is an Umbara Stronghold. This is the most unique stronghold, yet as you will be able to decorate your own moving train, you'll need to complete the Flashpoint a few times to gain access to the stronghold and look for more details about the stronghold in an upcoming post. Wow. This is wow. I mean, I don't know what to say. I did not see this coming. Certainly not on the heels of the Manon stronghold. In fact, if you asked me if we'd get another stronghold this year, I would have said it'd be Zakul, since that's been rumored for a long time now. And a moving train? I'm guessing it will be smallish, with different kinds of cars. I hope we can hop up on the roof and decorate that, because I think that would be kind of fun. And other than rocket trams on Corellia, I'm not sure I've seen a train in the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, this truly, this will be truly unique, because I really don't have anything to base this on and what it would be like both you know on the outside and in the inside they said that we'll have to run the flashpoint a few times to gain access i hope that means we can unlock it by running solo mode and i hope it will be cheap you know make the unlock free and then pay for additional rooms or or cars i i guess there will be but anyway it's a it's a cool concept and i certainly can't wait to hear more about it and again i'm stunned that we're getting another stronghold so soon after getting the Manan Stronghold. Now also coming in 5.4 are additional companion customizations. Senya can now have her weapons and armor customized. Also, Lana, Koth, and Senya's hairstyles are available for purchase to customize your character. So you too can now get all creepy by trying to look like your favorite companions. Actually, new hairstyles are always kind of a good thing. Uh, under the quality of life department, companions can now be summoned while moving. I kind of like this, and I think it's better than it actually sounds. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but I, I, I don't know. I think there are probably times where I've been running around needing to summon a companion because they've been dismissed either by myself or for sometimes they just ap- accidentally get dismissed by the game. And, you know, having to stop and pull them out can be kind of a pain. So this is this is actually a nice quality of life change that I am looking forward to. Uh, there is a new feature on the in-game preferences screen that has been added for higher graphics settings to improve the realism and contrast of shadows. So I'll be curious to see what that looks like and if it looks better and if it doesn't drain my bring my system to a crawl, that would be awesome. There will be more class balance changes and the following disciplines are receiving changes. And of course, they're going to have details to come in the, in the following weeks. Uh, lethality uh, slash ruffian, concealment slash scrapper, medicine slash sawbones, fury slash concentration, and carnage slash combat. And remember, their goal is to get the, uh, the DPS, the HPS up or down to their target numbers. So your damage and healing will either get nerfed or it will get buffed, and don't expect much more than that with this first round of class changes. And and, and once 5.4 is over, and we see how everybody's doing, I think after that is when you can start to expect maybe changes to utility, things that 
impact survivability and maybe even some additional tweaks to the DPS and in, in HPS in, in cases where they maybe went a little bit too far in one direction or the other. Season 8 will be coming to an end and Keith said that they will post the full breakdown of rewards with screenshots in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, the top rewards include a full weapon set and a new Ember Macron mount. And then he also said they're going to make changes to the daily and weekly mission rewards for PvP with the intent of substantially improving unassembled component gain for players who complete both ranked and unranked missions. So it sounds like we'll get more unassembled components from these quests. However, as you can see, there is no mention about making unassembled components a legacy-wide currency. And I don't know if there are technical issues with making that happen, or they just want to wait, but it's probably the reason why they are increasing the rewards right now. So that's it for Game Update 5.4, and again, it goes live on August 22nd. I now want to go back to the roadmap and talk about future updates to it. Here is what Keith wrote about the timing of the next roadmap. We are quite a few weeks away from publishing the next 90-day update for our Swole Tour roadmap. We solidified our content plan and release schedule, so I'll include all of those details in the update. But as you know, we're really trying to provide you with more insight than ever before, and I'd like to know what other information you'd want to see in the roadmap. Obviously, I can't promise to include everything, but we'll do my best to address a wide variety of your requests. Now, in terms of that feedback, Keith provided some guidelines on how to approach it, and he said, Be concise and specific. Think how it will affect other players. Fairness, progression, impact, to help us truly understand and weigh your thoughts against the entire plan slash direction. Keep in mind, our goal for this year was to put us on track of providing new and challenging multiplayer content while addressing all the gameplay systems in SWOTOR. It does mean spreading content out over the year, but I still believe having access to content sooner is more desirable than having to wait a year to get it all at once. Chat with you all soon. I want to focus on this line here. Our goal for this year was to put us on a track of providing new and challenging multiplayer content. Dot, dot, dot. There is this belief that the pendulum is swinging in the other direction and that Star Wars The Old Republic is becoming solo unfriendly. While we are seeing more group content in the form of the current operation, a new flashpoint on Umbara, and a new war zone that was mentioned in the roadmap, the game is not solo unfriendly, nor do I believe it's moving in that direction. Knights of the Fallen Empire, which was 4.0, introduced tons of solo content. There were the story chapters, the alliance alerts, the star fortresses, the eternal championship, there was the level sync and the changes to heroics, and many of the flashpoints were also given solo modes. All of these things remain in the game today. Knights of the Eternal Throne introduced the following solo activities. The new story chapters for Knights of the Eternal Throne, repeatable story chapters in three difficulty modes, the Iocath story, the daily area, and reputations, most of which is soloable. The Manon Stronghold is mostly a solo deal. The new Umbaro Flashpoint will have a solo mode, and the Stronghold is likely something you can play on your own. We also know that there is more story coming after Game Update 5.4, because earlier this week, Charles Boyd tweeted out the following. Out in LA for SWOTOR voiceover recording, always such a pleasure to watch the actors do their thing in person. Smiley face. 
Now, many thought this was for Umbara, but Charles clarified that it's mostly for what comes after. So even more stuff to do solo after 5.4. And then there's Galactic Command, which allows all players, including those who play solo, to get best-in-slot gear doing whatever activities that they wish to do. Now, is it fast or efficient if you play by yourself? Absolutely not but it's still possible to get the best gear, and even if you don't have the best gear, you still have easy access to your discipline set bonuses, which is something you could only get from operations previously. So in the end, I think Star Wars The Old Republic is and will continue to be very solo-friendly, and I think the biggest pain point is the speed at which you progress Galactic Command as a lone wolf. Which brings me to my next topic, which is... The State of Galactic Command. Now, as of Game 5.3, I think the State of Galactic Command is good. It's come a long way since its release. Is it perfect? No, but we're no longer at the complete mercy of the RNG gods and whatever they decide to dole out in our command crates. Let's look at where it started and where we are today. When it launched, the only way to get gear was through Galactic Command crates. There were no other loot drops. And the only way to get Galactic Command crates was by earning CXP. Of course, that's still the case today. But in the beginning, the rate at which we earned CXP was abysmal. Anyone who reached Command Rank 300 before Game Update 5.1 and the big CXP event truly grinded their butt off and deserves our respect. And if you meet them in person, might want to keep a little distance because that is some crazy amount of time and effort spent in the game playing Galactic Command. So yeah, in the beginning, Galactic Command was terrible. Then came 5.1 and the first set of major changes. It introduced command tokens. It introduced unassembled components from PvP. Ops bosses now had a chance to drop random gear pieces, with later bosses having a higher chance to drop a piece than earlier bosses. And there was also a new CXP boost you could buy with tokens. And then a couple of weeks after it was released came the big CXP event. And I have to say, this was pretty spectacular. It was like they turned up the spigot and the CXP and ranks really started to flow. We also discovered that there were some activities that weren't tuned properly, such as the Fractured Uprising in Master Mode Chapters 1 and 2 of Knights of the Fallen Empires, and players were able to take advantage of those and really fly through the ranks. And if you were a solo player, you now had activities where you could earn CXP at or around the same rate as those people participating in group activities. It was really, really good. So at this point, things were much improved. Players were now able to progress through the ranks at a decent rate, but the gear was still very random. Even though you were getting gear faster, you still had no idea what gear you were going to get. And then came Game Update 5.2, and the CXP event ended, but the rate at which we gained CXP was increased to almost that same level. They introduced a new CXP character perk and I believe a 100% CXP boost that applied to all Galactic Command ranks. They added specific gear drops to Ops bosses. You could now plan out your gear if needed. If you needed gloves, then you put Garge in your crosshairs in Eternity Vault. They added a new tier of gear, Tier 4. You could argue whether or not that was really necessary, but you know, but if you have it, you're pretty happy with it, I guess. They also adjusted the Tier 1 through 3 crates such that the higher your rank, the more likely you were to get a decent drop. So overall, I think Galactic Command is in a good place. I think it's come far enough that the chances of it getting removed from the game are actually pretty small. 
If they up the drop rate of unassembled components and make them legacy-wide currency, then I think it will really be in a good place. And I think that's the next big improvement. And I think they also might want to up the drop rate of 248 pieces coming from the Tier 4 crates. A lot of people are wondering, in fact, if the drop rate was nerfed. And here's what Eric Musco had to say about that earlier this week. First, we have made no adjustments to the drop rate of items from Command Crate since we introduced Tier 4 and rebalanced the drops from Tier 1 through 3. If you see that there seems to be a change in what you are experiencing at some point, throw it in a bug report and we can look into it. Second, it is definitely our intent that 248 legendary items are pretty uncommon from Command Crates, but keep in mind that you can consistently get them from other sources. You can upgrade into one from using unassembled components or get them as drops from Master Mode Final Bosses and Veteran Gods from the Machine. This happened as a part of our shift to make Galactic Command more supplementary to your gearing. So it's interesting to see that they apparently deliberately kept the drop rate low for 248 Legendary Gear at a Tier 4 because they wanted you to go seek that gear out from other sources such as PvP and unassembled components, as well as running gods from the machine. Of course, the issue with gods from the machine is there are only two bosses out right now, so it's really not talking about much in the way of 248 gear that's available through that. Obviously, that will get better at some point. But I have to say, ever since I completed my best-in-slot set on my main tune, I haven't paid too much attention to the drops, but it sure does feel like it's been a long while since I have seen a 248 piece of gear drop from a crate. I know Eric said that nothing has changed, but it kind of feels like it has to me at least. But even so, overall, I think Galactic Command has come a long way from where it started. It allows anyone to get gear, and you can queue up for a variety of activities from a central UI. It's not perfect, but there are definitely some benefits to it, and I think scrapping it at this point would actually be a mistake. My final topic for the week is cartel packs. Now, if you recall a while back, they announced that they would no longer be creating new bronze quality items, and instead they would focus on creating high quality items and just having them be silver, gold, and platinum. At the time, my thought was this. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and this was just a ploy to make silver the new bronze. I mean, after all, why would you hold back your creative powers when designing items for these packs, especially when people are paying real money for them? I'm just imagining a situation where someone had designed an awesome armor set and their boss goes, that set is just too good for us to release here. Slap some giant wings on the shoulder so that it clips the doorways as you pass through them and we'll be good to go. So I was skeptical that we'd see higher quality items from these packs. Well, judging by some of the items dropping from the two most recent packs, I have to say they seem to be following through on their promise to create better items. The Tithian Disciples armor set, the Gifted Shadows armor set, the Expert Outlaws armor set, and those new blasters, Anarchy and Mischief, are some of my favorite new items. Now with the release of these packs, they changed the drops. You now get five items which include a guaranteed item from the pack, a random item from anywhere, I think another random item up to gold, maybe silver, Jawa scraps, and companion gifts. I think on a global level, you probably get a sufficient number of each item from the packs dropping, but on an individual level, the drop rate of items from the packs feels terrible, and the chances of getting the items you want from a hyper crate is very small. Trust me, I've tried. And what this means is, 
you probably have to buy them from the GTN, which also leads to now a secondary problem, which is that of mass inflation for these items. Anarchy and mischief are being listed for anywhere between a hundred million to over 300 million credits. On Sunday, I found the pair for sale on Shadowlands for 90 million credits and I pounced. 90 million credits and I felt like I was the one doing the stealing. And I'm not relisting them, by the way, because I think they look really cool and I'm going to be giving them to my mercenary. Now, before you get all worried and start a GoFundMe, I'm fine. I've got plenty left in the coffers and I look forward to the challenge of building it all back up. Swotorista and I chatted a little bit last week on exactly what is a lot of money in this game, and we couldn't quite put a number on it, but if people are actually paying the exorbitant prices that people are listing for Anarchy and Mischief, then I think you need to have upwards of 500 million credits to feel comfortable, and that's crazy. And speaking of crazy, guess what? It's time to cue the music because you've just survived another half hour listening to episode 47 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your question to me at, at sotorpodcast, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 48 on August 1st, 2017, and remember the Sith Code. Take is a lot.